0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear faithful, the modern world, with all of its technology, is intent upon flooding our imaginations with all sorts of images of a materialistic bent and purpose, and so we have grown accustomed to letting them run unheeded through our minds. Let us, this Christmas day, recall that power of our minds back to its purpose and set it upon one of the most noble paths that it was designed to travel that of aiding us in meditating upon the mysteries of our faith. This power of Im- our imagination can help us to place ourselves there in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago, and by using this power so connected to our senses, raise the gaze of our, the eye of the soul to the contemplation of the incredible mystery taking place right here before us. The place is Bethlehem, the city of David, located about 4.3 miles to the south of Jerusalem and a small town of probably several hundred people at that time. It is late at night and in a stable at the edge of the town. A young couple were settling in. The weather is warmer than what we are experiencing here tonight. We're actually probably about the same uh, as what we're experiencing today, probably between 40 and 50 degrees. The woman is heavy with child, yet there radiates from her a peace, a calm, and a beauty. That seems to come from deep within her soul. The man goes silently, yet purposefully, about his preparations, gathering up loose straw to prepare a makeshift couch for his spouse to lie upon, placing more straw in the animal's manger for the newborn to come, and then feeding the donkey that had borne the woman in the long journey from their hometown of Nazareth, about a hundred miles to the north. The man had been slightly discouraged that he had not been able to procure a room in the inn for his spouse so close to the time of her delivery, but her perfect resignation and reassurance that this was the will of God had put his mind more at ease. All the rooms were taken up by others who, like they, were traveling to their hometowns to be counted in the great census of the emperor, Caesar Augustus. And so, the two holiest creatures the world has ever known prepared in silence for the arrival of the Savior of the world. Let us hear it told to us by the Venerable Anne Catherine Emmerich, who mystically saw this sacred nativity and described it thus. When St. Joseph returned to the grotto and before entering his retreat, he cast his eyes upon the Blessed Virgin. He saw her praying on the knees before the couch. Her back was turned towards him and she was looking towards the east. She seemed to him as if surrounded by flames and all the grotto seemed to shine with a supernatural light. He looked at it as Moses when he saw the burning bush. Then seized with a holy fear, he entered his cell and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. The light which surrounded the Blessed Virgin became more and more brilliant. The light of the lamp prepared by Joseph could not be seen. When the hour of midnight arrived, Mary was transported in an ecstasy. I saw her raised a certain height from the ground, and she had her hands crossed upon her breast. The light kept increasing around her, and everything seemed to feel a joyful emotion, even things inanimate. The rock which formed the floor and the wall of the grotto were, as it were, alive with light. But I soon saw no more of the roof, a luminous path whose brightness continually increased, went from Mary into the highest heaven. Then there was a marvelous moment of the celestial glories when approaching nearer and nearer appeared distinctly under the form of angelic choirs. The Blessed Virgin, raised from the earth in her ecstasy, prayed and turned her eyes to her God, of whom she had become the mother, and who, a feeble newborn infant, was lying on the ground before her. I saw our Savior, like a little shining infant whose brilliance eclipsed all the surrounding splendor, lying upon the rug before the knees of the Blessed Virgin. He seemed to me very small and to grow larger before my eyes, but this was only the radiance of a light so dazzling, that I can scarcely say how I could see it. The Blessed Virgin remained some time in ecstasy. Then I saw her place a linen cloth over the child, but she did not touch him nor take him yet into her arms. After a short time, I saw the infant Jesus move and I heard him cry. It was then that the Blessed Virgin recovered the use of her senses. She took the child, wrapped it in the linen cloth in which she had covered it, and took it in her arms against her breast. I believe that she suckled it. I then saw angels around her in the human form prostrate before the newborn and adore him. About an hour elapsed since the birth of the child when Mary called St. Joseph, who was still praying with his face to the ground. Approaching, he prostrated himself full of joy, humility, and fervor. It was only then, it was only when Mary had induced him to press his heart to his heart the sacred gift of the Most High, that he rose, received the infant Jesus in his arms, and returned to thank God with tears of joy. Then the Blessed Virgin swathed the infant Jesus. Mary had only four linen cloths with her. I then saw Mary and Joseph sitting on the ground near each other. They did not speak, but seemed absorbed in contemplation. Before Mary, swathed as an ordinary child, was laid the newborn Jesus, beautiful and bright as lightning. I exclaimed, this place contains the salvation of the whole world, and no one can doubt it. Dear faithful, this last line of the Venerable's Revelations resounds with us, particularly on this day when we celebrate once again the greatest event in all human history, that from which we date our time, the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, of Mary, ever virgin. This is why our hearts are full of joy, because our Savior has come, He has not delayed, and He will save us from sin and death. This is why the good news that the heavenly hosts of angels announced that night to the shepherds tending their flocks rings anew for each new generation of Christians and for them each Christmas because we are as in much need of a Savior now as the world was 2,000 years ago. The good news is that the Savior has come and he will redeem us is the reason we are bursting with joy today. For this good news, which none, not even the seemingly all-powerful forces of mainstream media, Following the example of their father, the devil, can censor or suppress. For this good news touches our hearts in a supernatural and infallible way, because it is the news of a father who loves us so much that he will not see us go to our ruin, though we have deserved it time and time again. For the last few years, and really for all time, the world has tried to tell us the lie that God is not essential. For the world, banks are essential, revealing its greed. For the world, liquor stores are essential, revealing its debauchery. For the world, big box stores with no limits are essential, revealing its materialism. For the world, abortion mills are essential, revealing its demonic influence. But no, church, no, church is not essential, says the world. Religion is something to be relegated to the dust-deep history, or to be snuffed out completely as the opium of the people. Dear Faithful, we reject these errors. We reject the contemporary folly which places bodily health at the pinnacle of all goods and then uses it as an excuse for the ever more tyrannical constraints imposed upon citizens and especially upon the rights of God and of our Holy Mother, the Catholic Church. We reject the attempts to remove God from the life of man because today and forever we choose Christ. If, however, dear Faithful, we choose Christ, It is only because he has chosen us first. The beloved disciple St. John writes that God has loved us first. And St. Paul writes in his epistle to St. Titus, which extract is read at the Mass at dawn, that the goodness and kindness of God our Savior has appeared, not by the works of justice which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the laver of regeneration and renovation of the Holy Ghost whom we have poured forth abundantly upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we may be heirs according to the hope of life everlasting. It is not because we deserved it, dear faithful, that Almighty God has come to save us, but simply because of His infinite mercy and love for us. And that is why each year we can experience again the joy and the wonder uh, as we kneel before the Christ Child. Nothing we can do can merit for us that first grace of assistance that God gives us nothing and so we must like the shepherds with simple wonder and gratitude at the grace we have been given approach our lord this christmas full of confidence not in our own strength but in his mercy which is that what works all the wonders of grace and virtue in our soul and so let us approach the crib this christmas and listen closely for the soft yet firm palpitations of love that the heart of this infant has for each and every one of us. Then we will have no fear, either from our own weakness, which we acknowledge, or from the unrest persecution in the world, and alas, in our holy church. Let us close with these words of our holy patron, St. Francis de Sales, who tells us, To examine whether your heart pleases him is not necessary, but whether his heart pleases you. And if you look upon his heart, it is impossible, but that it will please you. For it is a heart most sweet, most kind, most condescending, most gracious towards miserable creatures, provided that they acknowledge their misery. And who will not love this royal heart so full of tenderness for us? Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.